0: Welcome to HealthCast, I'm your host, Faith Bryan, and this is the third installment of our mini-series about mental health in the age of COVID-19. In our previous episode, Dr. Kelly Blasco from DHA talked about mobile applications and telehealth services that can support mental health providers, service members, their families, and the public. In this episode, I spoke with Dr. Adam Haim from the National Institute of Mental Health to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on mental health patients, digital intervention methods, and the accelerated use of telehealth and telemedicine. Dr. Haim, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. So let's begin by starting off with your main responsibilities at the National Institute of Mental Health right now.
1: I'm a clinical psychologist and I work within the NIMH. There are three primary divisions that focus on three different areas of science. The earlier stage research, the basic research is conducted by a division. And there's a another scientific division that focuses on translational research. So getting promising interventions and compounds to a point where there's an early signal of efficacy and the third stage of research, confirming the efficacy and doing effectiveness research. So identifying what works for whom on a large scale is conducted by the Division of Services and Intervention Research. And I work within that division. That division is split into two branches. There's one branch that focuses on identifying interventions that are showing promise and testing them in real-world settings. And that's my branch. The other branch focuses on ensuring that the interventions that are out there are delivered in a sustainable way and are implemented broadly. So my branch focuses on all different domains of mental health disorders, as well as across the developmental trajectory from an early age until later life. So we fund research that focuses on identifying really promising treatments and getting them into the hands of people who need
0: So I'd also like to ask you about the current situation that we're in with Mm COVID-19. With the physical distancing and homebound isolation that many of us are experiencing at this time, I wanted to get your take on what some of the situational challenges that may be posed to people predisposed to mental illness that you are currently looking at or that you have researched or if this situation is just completely new to you.
1: So all situations are, are fundamentally different. We haven't had a pandemic like this since 1918. And I was not around at the NIMH or alive at that point. So I think we're all discovering new challenges related to social distancing, the pandemic, the increased levels of stress and anxiety. And we're learning a lot about that. We do know from other disasters, we think about this as a slow disaster, that there are going to be immediate impacts in terms of individuals' health and mental health. And then there's likely going to be longer-term impacts to individuals' health and mental health once the acute risk dissipates over time. And we have a number of different interventions that focus both on the immediate issues as well as trying to embed some components of resiliency to hopefully prevent onset of mental illness further downstream. So when we think about what's going on right now, Thinking about the mental health impact of social distancing, the mental health impact of the stress and anxiety, the mental health impact of changes in household structure, the mental health impact associated with financial stress. We think about it in several different ways. So there are those that had relatively minimal or no clinically significant symptoms whose lives have fundamentally changed, who are now at high risk. And those individuals, if but not for this pandemic, would likely have not sought treatment. And now they, now they are in a situation where they need treatment. There are those who were in treatment and were likely stable, but we're seeing their psychologist, their psychiatrist, their caregiver in a regular way when I see. Most likely that was in an in-person modality. And then there are others who were likely in treatment who had symptoms that were not stable, whose symptoms are significantly exacerbated due to this pandemic. And all those individuals would likely, in many cases, benefit from some treatment. And that's where it gets challenging in that the treatment system was not necessarily built with social distancing in mind. And we can talk a little bit about that later, about how the system has adapted, where there are choke points in the system, and where it's doing relatively well.
0: Right. So going back to this impeding how people receive treatment, people in the healthcare system right now are relying heavily on digital services Mm -hmm. and tools, such as telehealth, to Mm -hmm. safely address health issues due to COVID-19. How are virtual resources and tools being used to help address these challenges to support the mental health of patients, but even that of healthcare workers?
1: The challenge is that folks can't see their providers in real life at this point. So they're, they're utilizing telemedicine. And for some individuals, it means picking up the phone and having a phone discussion with your provider. For other, it means like a Zoom discussion so where you can see the providers. And for others, there's some combination of asynchronous feedback where you get text messages back and forth, where you get prompts, and then there's some interventions that use non-synchronous modalities, such as receiving a feedback where you then apply with your symptoms and that it happens over time. Now, many of those solutions were already in place. So virtual health, digital health has been around for over a decade, and the NIH has been funding research in that area for well over a decade as well. So many of these resources were already available for individuals to use. And individuals, in some cases, are adapting. Of course, there are individuals who don't have the resources, who don't have connections with providers to utilize this type of care. So there is certainly the need to reach out to those individuals to provide them the care that they need in their current environment, whether that's individuals who are elderly, who don't have access to a smartphone, or don't have access to uh, digital health tools, or individuals who don't have the means to afford a smartphone.
0: Yeah, so it seems like it's a very challenging situation right now. What other solutions are you said that digital health has been around for, you know, decades and that this pandemic is basically pushing the adoption of telehealth nice. and telemedicine and, you know, all of those digital resources mm-hmm. forward or digital capabilities forward. So, what are some other things that are currently being looked at or other solutions to help treat mental health patients or digital health and innovation interventions?
1: Sure. So so the way I look at it is the digital health system is like a three-legged stool and the the three legs of the stool are the following. One really important opportunity for digital health is around assessment. So assessment and identification of changes in symptoms can very easily be done remotely. The other leg of the stool is providing treatment remotely. So there are a number of treatments that can be delivered remotely or even purely by a device with some interaction with a clinician to support the uptake that it works. The third leg of the stool are technology platforms focused on providers. So helping providers understand what's occurring with their patients And helping them make uh, clinical decisions related to the treatment. So, we we have a a number of ongoing research projects that either focus on each leg of that three legged stool or some combination thereof. And again, it's not as if we're starting de novo here. We have a pretty good sense of what works for. There are a number of choke points that we need to think about when we think about digital health. For example, individuals who download an intervention often just do that and never actually open it or use it. Furthermore, it's individuals being able to identify what's out there, what might work for them and being pointed in the right direction.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like, are there apps that are, I guess, proven to be reliable or have a high efficacy rate for treating people with mental illness that we know of right now?
1: There are. So NIMH has funded a number of well-designed clinical trials. So the principles that our investigators have established have been embedded into a number of interventions that are available for individuals to use.
0: Well, that must be a great resource. Do you think that a lot of people know about these tools that are available? Or do you think that people are well, specifically with mental illness struggle with actually, you know, reaching out to other people and finding these resources that are available?
1: I think again, so in some ways the field is really mature. In other ways, individuals that would have not sought this sort of treatment previously are unaware. So, first of all, if you have a provider reaching out to a provider and asking. But yeah, it's challenging and identifying what works for whom it is an open question. So in some ways, we really do need to identify more opportunities for individuals to choose well-established solutions for them.
0: So with the whole world acting and rapidly responding to tackling this difficult situation, especially people with mental illness, as well as tying in all of the resources we had just discussed, do you think that this will change how we treat and manage mental health moving forward post-pandemic?
1: So let's draw an analogy here. So many individuals are appropriately apprehensive about going to the grocery store as it involves potentially exposing themselves to additional risk. So there are currently solutions in place which are not free, but allow individuals to receive their food by hitting a few keystrokes and then there's contactless delivery dropped off on their front doorstep and then they get their groceries. So there are a number of solutions that are already available. People were using those before the pandemic. Now people are using them more and more and more. I would say that once the pandemic is over, those that can afford to use those solutions will see the benefit and might continue to use those solutions because it makes their lives easier. And it sort of is now woven into the fabric of their life. They get up, they put their grocery order in, and then the groceries are there at the end of the day. And it's it's almost just-in-time groceries, which, which is great. If you think about the delivery of mental health services... So we had a number of solutions in place that were used, maybe not as much as grocery delivery, but now individuals through no choice of their own are being essentially forced to use those solutions. I imagine that a large portion of those individuals might continue to because they don't have to go leave their house, wait in the waiting room to see their clinician and then they have to drive home, it is much, much, much more convenient. And furthermore, I think providers who might've had apprehension about teletherapy, about digital health before, in terms of challenges related to using the software, in terms of billing, in terms of record keeping, now that they're being forced to do this, I think are adapting really quickly.
0: Well, thanks so much, Dr. Hain, for speaking with me today about mental health and the work being done by the agency. I think it's really important to acknowledge the challenges as well as the opportunities to help support others as we go through this whole situation together. I wanted
1: to thank you for the opportunity to chat. It was uh, fun.
0: HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, Head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Ryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsoragovernmentcio.com.